Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chess for Life Spotlight. I'm your host, Elliot Neff, National Master and founder of Chess for Life. And I'm excited to bring to you our guest, Jim Egerton. I hope I said that correctly from Chicago, Illinois. And Jim has a background of using the game of chess as a tool for business and leadership development. So I'm really excited to have this conversation today, Jim, and welcome and thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, it's fun uh, to find two people in the world that have so much in common. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was a pleasure meeting you some years ago in person when you spoke at Amazon in Seattle and a number of other places about how chess is a great vehicle for uh, working through business challenges and such. But before we get into that fun stuff, let's let our audience get to know you just a little bit better. So if you don't mind sharing, you know, uh, I already mentioned where you're from, Chicago, but what are you focused on at this stage in your life? And as you dive into that, let our audience know a little bit of your background. You know, where do you come yeah. from? What has your career or careers involved? And let's get to know you a bit. Yeah, I, I started, I'm a West Suburban Chicago boy my whole life. Uh, and I started uh, very interested in in chess in my uh, sophomore year in high school. A, a coach nice. approached me and said, let's start a club. So I started a club. Uh, it's still in existence to this day. Uh, my first rated chess game was in 1971, and my first rating was 1562. And I had this huge trophy I won, and I was hooked. I'm like, this this is good. And so uh, combined it with a, a number of other things, went to uh, Northern Illinois, got a math degree, loved it, and started teaching. And always had chess clubs wherever I started at school. Uh, kept it up, but then I switched into corporate. I've been in corporate for 24 years. And I, what I found was the IT work that I did, the logic that I had developed through math and actually playing chess and problems of really helped in my corporate career. Uh, after that, I went into business. I started a company called Chess Now. You can see the little poster in the background because uh, the business hiring was very bad at that time. And I said, well, all right, let's start the Chess Now. So since 2004, I've had my own corporate training company. In 2016, I, uh, I veered to the right. I went corporate using my background, my MBA, and my chess experience into like, how did chess help me in my career? And the only way I could do that is to look backwards and go, oh, yeah, how did you solve that problem? Like, oh, yeah, you used overprotection or, oh, you... Uh, you did this tactic. And so wow. best-selling book on Amazon called Business on the Board. And that is the name of my website for anybody interested in www.businessontheboard.com. That's awesome. Yeah, That's awesome, Jim. Wow. Hey, you packed a lot into that. And what's <laughs> fascinating to me, hope you don't mind my saying this, is you won your first trophy before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, it's the 50-year anniversary of the Fisher match, and I'm going, wait a minute, I was, uh, I was in, involved with that's, that. That's right, and I don't mean that in a bad way, because here you are, just as energized, doing the same thing, and I'm doing it also. It's it's like this game, and the the concepts from it transcend the generations, so that's really cool, but uh, as we move forward here, what would you, are you willing to share, I'd like to just you know, ask these kind of questions. What kind of hobbies or sports do you like? Well, I've uh, transitioned. I would say I'm happily semi-retired. I'm not, I didn't close my business down. I got that door open yet. And when you own your own company, you don't have to have anybody say you're out. You, know? you get to <laughs> choose <laughs> when to so, open, when to close. 
a lot of tennis. I've, I've uh, nice. been in all kinds of sports, like ice hockey with Bobby Hall's son. I did uh, just growing wow. up it, volleyball in college. And, uh, but I've always played tennis and I wrote an article for the tennis world about how tennis and chess relate in terms of controlling the center of the court, the center of the board, uh, combining shots into like a, a move of a chess yep. move. And so I uh, love that. I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot of hot yoga five or six times a week. Cool. Wow. In fact, I did one this morning just to make sure I was awake on this call. <laughs> and uh, so that and hitting, hitting the gym and uh, just uh, getting in the best shape of my life because I have the time right now to do it. And uh, it, things I think things will pick up again. I'm, I'm not That's sure. awesome, Jim. That's awesome. And you know what? While we're on that topic, you know, I'm a chess player, national master, and you're a strong chess player. And yet look at the sports that we do. And sometimes people don't think of chess and sport at the same time. And yet it's both a recognized sport. It's a mental activity. And I've also met a lot of chess players, good chess players who have this balance, right? Physical activity and physical strength and the ability to persevere is essential for playing high level competitive focused chess games and you mentioned like tennis i it's amazing to me how many chess players play tennis and those parallels you mentioned i know another chess tennis coach good tennis coach for a winning team who does the same thing he pulls out the chess boards because he wants his tennis players to think strategically and like you said critical concept in chess control the center how critical is that in tennis and some other Sports like that, where your movements are most efficient, you cover the most area. So that's awesome. And uh, before we dive too much deeper into the business and chess things, which I'm eager to get to, give me two more things, please. Mm -hmm. What's a bucket list item that you look forward to accomplishing and something unique, if you don't mind, that most people don't know about you? Um, most people don't know what my age is. <laughs> yes, I'm how old am I? You they look go, so young. <laughs> yeah, you're in your 50s. I'm like, excuse me, I'm on Social Security. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're like, no, no, that's a, that's a, that's a well-kept secret, uh, although it's starting to show a little bit. Uh, on my bucket list is my wife retired a year uh, earlier than I did because she was teaching. And we have these destinations we want to get to, and we're just they're opening up now, but I'd love to go like uh, in Paris and play chess in Luxembourg Gardens, uh, play chess in the pubs in London. I've, I've done that. Um, you know, there's a Washington Square in New York. Um, I just, you sit down with somebody to play chess and you've got this bonding experience, you know. That's it, awesome. So cool. So I would say that and uh, just stay healthy. And uh, we have one granddaughter and we have a grandson due in December. So we're growing uh, more future tennis and chess players. That's, <laughs> That's awesome, Jim. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, before we move on, I'll say that there's, there's another good connection friend of mine who I expect to have on the show shortly, who has played chess in well over 100 countries, oh, building wow. connections around the world. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to um, share that story in the future too, and how chess crosses borders and builds relationships globally, no matter your language. Yeah. Because chess is its own language. So I, with I, all that. To uh, new in chess. And one thing I find interesting, the little blurbs of people who are like Carlos Alcaraz. He's a he's going to be a number one player in the world. He said he warms up for a tennis match by playing chess. 
Same thing with Andrei Rublev, the Russian. He says, oh, chess and tennis, are the, it's, it's like the same thing, you know, but they keep it quiet because I don't think they want their opponents to know <laughs> what they do. Trying to keep that edge, right? That advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't do it's that. It's similar to like this football up here. Yeah. You know, I like ice hockey. I like tennis. I like soccer. And in football, I never played it, but I had some connections to NFL players who's just done an amazing job of applying strategic thinking using chess into their football careers and then their business careers after it. Oh, so exactly. We yeah. could, we could go a long time there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so let's, let's dive into this here first. So exactly. give a little bit of background. You mentioned you started playing chess as a sophomore, you compete in tournaments. Uh, you've become a fairly accomplished chess player, not a master, but yet a strong chess player. Mm-hmm. And how far did you progress in chess? And what would you say was key to your making the progress you did in chess skill? Uh, One of the things that uh, helped me was when I started the family and knew I was going to have all weekends free, I went to postal chess and I played postal chess. And I do have a master's rating, 2210 and a Golden Knights series of it. So um, that was- Congratulations. I did not realize you're over the board. It's like a class A close to expert level and you achieved a master level in correspondence chess, which is- Right. which is quite a challenge because your opponents have plenty of time to figure out if you make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that, and it was before computers were any good. So right. it was like, oh, you must have been using a computer. It's like, I think, uh, you know, uh, Fritz was level one. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not going to cool. trust So again. congratulations on that. And you, you were saying, so how you achieved that, right. you said was even after you had a family and you started playing postal chess, or did you achieve master level before you had a family? Uh, no, I, I, I peaked out at about 1900 and I plateaued there over the board. And then, uh, when I started the family, I went to postal chess. And then when my boys were old enough, my younger son, Brian is about oldest son Brian is about as strong as I am over the board. He's never played postal, but we went to, uh, I think I've gone to like 12 us opens nice. uh, and just and played in those. And uh, I do, I, I have something on a FIDE. I don't know. I've played enough tournaments sure. and I don't have a FIDE rating, but, uh, Theirs is a little different than USCF. So it um, it got to the point where there was a law of diminishing return. You know, I felt if I would went away to Vegas for the long weekend to play in the National Open, I mean, then there was a lot of stuff around the house that was getting backed up. So mm-hmm. um, I just uh, used it. And then I got into teaching when I was, uh, my son was in uh, first grade. He didn't know how to play chess. He saw me play and he said, Dad, show me these moves. I want to know what's going on here. So I gave him this book, Al Wollum's Tactics book. And I said, study this. You know, tactics are everything in chess. So he did. So in third grade, he was state champion. And I was like, whoa, people go, what did you do? I go, I didn't do anything. I gave him this book. I said, study tactics, which is like 90% of the game at the scholastic level. If you miss a move, boom, checkmate. You know, it's not... And it, back in that day, it was not as advanced as it is today, where the kids are online and they're, you know, they got coaches and all that other stuff. But he took him to a lot of scholastic uh, national events and, and started coaching the team, coached uh, high schools in the area. Um, no, I really, in the Chess Now format, uh, I really did like coaching kids because it you can tell you're leaving something with them. You know, if you're a a football player, yeah, the coach gave a good speech, but if you teach a kid something about how to uh, visualize, like one of the skills that I always tell him, look ahead, what do you see? 
after you do that move, you know? And well, then when you're driving, look ahead. What happens when that car cuts you off? What are you going to do? You know, and so there's parallels between the game. And That's the game. awesome. That's awesome, Jim. You know, uh, and I appreciate how you drew that connection there, right? In chess, it's so critical to be able to visualize, think ahead a couple of moves, right? And, and here you're saying same thing in, in driving a car. Right. So many of us do that daily. And when we're raising kids, we want them to grow up to be safe drivers. Right. It's it's good for their health and it's good for their insurance, too. And <laughs> and so it's like your insurance company should be sponsoring chest tournaments. I really do. I just, that's one of my that's, that's actually a really great point, because in in driving vehicles, we learn about defensive driving. Right. And what is that? That's basically saying what could happen. And am I thinking ahead about the consequences of these choices, which is exactly what we teach in chess. That's awesome. With that, let's let's do this segue. You know, you've used chess yourself. You've loved the game. You've become strong. You use it in business. You've used it teaching your own uh, children. Mm -hmm. So what benefits do you primarily see if you were to pick the top couple of benefits that you see chess can help people develop, whether it's for kids or for adults or wherever, where would you go with that? What, what stands out to you with all your experience doing this? Um, I basically, I, I see two skill sets. I think what we don't do to uh, parents and, and business people is tell them, this is what you're getting when you have an employee that knows how to play chess at, at a certain level. You know, they're, they're, they're accomplished, they've been in tournaments and things like that. And so I wrote an article that's on my LinkedIn about six skills that tech companies want. You know, they want them to solve problems. They want them to visualize. They want them to work under pressure. I mean, here you're sitting with a game and a clock is ticking away and it's like, you got to get this program in by midnight. You know, so, so there's a skill set there of what employees want. And then there's also a skill set of what does it take to be a good leader? And these are the things like uh, learning to delegate. You know, Richard Branson said, if you want to be a good le- a leader, you got to know how to delegate stuff. You can't do it all yourself, how to evaluate, how to avoid risk. And so when you have these, all these things occur in a game of chess, for example. So so let me interrupt you there a sec, because you used a word and a concept that is not often thought about when you're playing chess. You said this skill of a leader is essential, the ability to delegate and I would quanti- qualify that even further to say to delegate effectively because we oh, you don't yeah. want to not- dump, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> not you- a dartboard thing. Yeah. Right. So can, can you dig into that a little bit further? Sure. For, sure. for example, um, you know, when you're playing a position, say your opponent has a pawn going up with the board on the way to become a queen. All right. You know that if that pawn promotes, the game is probably over. There's, you know, you're going to lose. So you have to delegate one of your pieces to stop that thing, right? And you look, well, the king's over here. He'll never get over there. Uh, oh, the knight can't get over there. Oh, the bit, oh, but the diagonal's blocked. So, oh, I got to put a rook. I have to spend a five dollars. Fascinating. Now, for for those listening who might not know chess or not know it very well, you know, we're using terminology that might, you know, let me just explain a little bit. A sure. pawn moves forward. Right. One step at a time, typically there's a, there's a variant first turn. It can jump to, but it never goes backwards. However, the pawn is the only piece that has the unique ability that once it reaches the opponent's edge of the board, it promotes into Mm -hmm. one of the other powerful pieces. It could become one of the most powerful pieces on the board, the queen. So what we're talking about here, and I'm, and probably diving in, I can just imagine Jim, how you talk about the resources a person has, how you can, Mm -hmm. you know, you can turn a little thing into a big thing 
And now what I'm hearing you say is I'm finally seeing that connection of delegation. You're saying that you've got 16 pieces on your chess team. And if your opponent has a pawn that's coming closer and closer to your edge, that's a threat. And so you're going (laughs) to delegate one or more of your pieces to that threat while you retain the other pieces towards your own objective. Is that what you mean? That's what I mean. Exactly. It's figuring out uh, that thing has got to be stopped. Who's going to do it? And you're the one who picks up the piece and moves it there and says, okay, your job is to stop that pawn. Get up there and don't even let it get near my end. I wanted to stop it way back if I can. So, or maybe you just decide I I have to give something up for it. So you'll give up maybe like a bishop, uh, which is only worth my book, $3, three points. But you wouldn't want to give your queen up for it because that's really bad news. So that's what I mean by delegating. And and just cool. You delegate. Another and, skill is evaluating. You you know when you're in business, you have to evaluate because we still have layoffs. I'm I'm reading the Wall Street Journal and these companies are saying, hey, we just let a thousand people go. That is not a random experience. They're, they're like they're evaluating who do we need to go forward, and you do that in chess. We don't need the queens anymore, so let's get them off because I'm winning, and I don't want a queen. Right. Anymore. So so every move, the position changes dramatically. And I say dramatically just because the nuances and the possibilities are so exponential that every turn there's new possibilities. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about is it requires the skill of evaluating without having 100% knowledge, which is something we all have to do in life and business, right? We got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. (laughs) It's possible. Yeah, it's kind of a oxymoron. But I mean, companies I've seen said, well, we let these people go so that we could reorganize and move new people in. Well, how do you know these new people coming in are going to do any better than the ones you let go? They don't. They do. It's just, like right. you said, we well, feel and, more comfortable having and, that. And out. something that stands out to me as we're talking about this is the the risk, perhaps, of analysis paralysis. No, yep. Going, you can also over-evaluate something. Mm-hmm. Just like in chess, you can spend too much time trying to calculate every possibility and then you run out of time and you lose anyway. Right. Right. Right? So that willingness to make good decisions. And we know that chess is a great game for problem solving and creating, making decisions. So this is, this is really cool, Jim, how you, how you do that. Can you, can you take that a little further now? We've talked about it in business. Can you talk about it for an audience of, let's say, parents who have children? Do they Mm -hmm. have to be really strong chess players to get these benefits or you know, do you have to be super talented to get these benefits that you see? Can you speak to that? Yeah, I, I think the parents are the ones that decide if kids get into chess or not. I mean, you, you see it in the family or, you know, an older sibling plays. So, you know, they go to tournaments and I don't see too many kids who say, oh, I, I just saw chess life. I want to go to that tournament. I mean, the parents guide them. And so they maybe have some chess in their own background. But what they know is that these kids are learning discipline. You know, they, they have to accept responsibility for their moves. You know, if you make a losing move, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the guy in the back that threw the ball over your head. You made the move. So they accept responsibility. And I think one of what the parents are looking for is what can it do for them in, in the future, which is what you do, chess for life. It's not, okay, you're done with chess, put the pieces in the box, forget about it. No, you don't. You, you carry those skills that, you know, companies want and leaders need. And going forward, and because when I ask parents, why do you have your kid playing chess? They're like, sometimes it's hard for them to verbalize why, but they know there's value there. Because I will challenge a parent and say, well, maybe it's better off that they learn a second language. 
you know, or study music or so, I mean, there's a variety of things, but I mean, the people who are really dedicated, you know, and they're, they're uh, expert level in the grade school, you know, they're going to all the tournaments or whatever, that's sort of what their thing is. And that's great. Sure. I so, think if you ask the parent, do you want your son to grow up to be a chess professional? They would no. go, oh, no. Yeah. So what, so what I'm hearing you say is, is really what my experience says too, which is, you know, chess in a, in a funny way of putting it, <clears throat> when we talk about chess for life, you know, we say we're teaching life skills through the game of chess. And some people think, well, you mean you're going to play chess your whole life? And I'm like, actually, no. In fact, if I do my job well, a lot of people will stop playing as much chess. <laughs> right. Yes. Because there's a point, like you mentioned earlier, of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. And there's only a small fractional percentage, a very tiny number that would make a great career future playing chess professionally. Whereas if you take the skills that you learn in playing the game and apply them into other fields, you can probably achieve many of your bucket list and dreams much easier. Right, right. I was reading the Wall Street Journal and there was a guy named A.J. Stegman who used to play in the tournaments that I was in. He was a little young guy, but he was always up there on the top boards. He is now the biggest real estate mogul in I think in Georgia, but he lives in Texas and they interviewed him. And it, one of the bylines was, you know, I learned some of these skills in chess. And I'm like, yeah. oh man, you, try to get him on your program if you can. AJ Stegman. Cool. He's a, so, he's a, so what we're really talking about here is transferable skills, yeah. right? You, the skills that you get, you become a better chess player. And in the process, you're developing analytical skills and problem solving skills and, mm-hmm. and principles that if you tangibly think about them, are translatable directly to your business, to your life. Let's shift a moment to the softer skills. Let's say the EQ development, not just the IQ and critical thinking skills. You know, at Chess for Life, we talk about mindsets of success. Things like Mm -hmm. you can win, you can draw, or you you can learn, (laughs) right? (laughs) There's no lose if your mindset is a loss is a tremendous learning opportunity. And many people probably heard me say this over and over, fail is really an acronym for your first attempt in learning. Learning. So that's just a mindset and also attitudes like can do attitude going into a chess game thinking you can is going to give you better results than facing an opponent and thinking there's no way I can win this game. And same in life, right? So our mindsets. And so when you think about the softer skills, what kind of things come to your mind in your experience, Jim, in relation to chess as a vehicle or some of those mindset developments? One of it, I think, is being able to develop a rapport with uh, an opponent. I've noticed that that this is something that when the girls are competing, they uh, take the game at a much different level. I mean, I observed the Danker tournament in the, I think it was called the Polgar at the time. And the girls are like, oh, that was wonderful. Let's trade uh, emails and we'll, we'll be friends and we'll be doing, and the guys are like, I lost this time, but I'm going to beat you next time. I mean, it's like, there's a competitive type edge thing there. And uh, I think because chess is, it's all you, you know, when you lose certain people have a personality that they can't accept losing, you know, and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. that sounds, and chess can teach you that, you know, it's like, right. okay, it was just a game. You know, it, yeah. it didn't uh, didn't lose your house over it. You, you know, your stock portfolio didn't go to zero. It, it, it was just a game. But the thing that you learned was there's probably an inflection point somewhere in the game where you made a bad move. You can use those in financial terms when you see a stock that's in a downward motion. 
when is it going to turn around kind of thing. And that can happen in chess. Your opponent makes a mistake and you're right back into the game kind of thing. So soft skills would be, uh, you know, I've, I've developed a lot of friendships through the years uh, of, of people who, you know, are way better chess players than I am, but they just understand that I'm coming from a different perspective because uh, I didn't play chess uh, for the rating, for the master uh, rating. I just played it to because I enjoyed it. Yeah, I would have liked to have been an expert and then quit, but someday that's on my bucket list too. I'm going to get above 2000 and then you'll never see me again. Nice. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing on that too, about these softer skills and the EQ side of it. And we like Chess for Life like to talk about those in the context of like better together, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like we have differing abilities, right? Like chess pieces move different ways. And every person has their own unique abilities and strengths. And it doesn't mean one is better than another. It means that we are different. And that's wonderful because that gives us our own unique strengths and abilities. And you imagine the strength and the power of those unique differences working together as opposed to against each other. Just like in the chess game, you need your knights to jump over pieces. You want your powerful queen. You need support with the rooks to barrel down the open files, right? Every piece working together creates a strong strategy as opposed to imagine trying to play a game and ignoring a couple of your pieces. Oh, yeah. That's not team. One of my favorite activities in the corporate world is to do a consultation game where I have like four players on each team and their level Mm-hmm. And they each have to decide to make a move. There's a clock on it and there's a demo board. And I said, okay, make your move. And you hear them discussing things like, oh, if we move the night here, like, oh, but the rook moves better. Yeah, get up there, make it. I mean, it's like, oh, it is a great activity for building teams, especially somebody who doesn't understand chess too much. They have to listen to what the other people are saying and then make a good decision because everybody has to make a move. I don't let some wow, cool. player make the moves alone. So if I heard you correctly, what you're saying is that one of the activities that you like to use in using a game of chess to do corporate training and such is building this team aspect, this collaboration where it requires consultation and multiple inputs as opposed to perhaps what maybe I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. So correct me if I'm wrong. I'm imagining there's an aspect of challenging a corporate structure and building a collaborative structure. Right. That's why you have you want diversity in your teams, different backgrounds, a perspective that you weren't aware of that somebody says, oh, are you aware that if we make this move, that's going to happen? It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, just getting people or maybe having we had a chance to work together, work together. It's kind of like these safe, oh, the, uh, safe rooms where you go into a room and you got to figure out how to get yes. out of there or whatever. Yes. Whatever. Yeah. Escape room. rooms. Yeah. 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 And it's like, very cool. You, know, you have to work together. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work together. And and that's what, you know, because chess is a very individual game. And, you know, this way you have to it's like convince somebody that your move is pretty good. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. And then I always throw it into like Fritz at the end. And we look at all the moves and they go, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. And oh, wow, that could have happened. And it's the technology helps them a lot. Awesome. And so what you're saying there too, is that there's always this experience transformer kind of scenario where Mm -hmm. you take what happened, just like in a chess game, you lose a chess game. That's one of the best learning opportunities you have. If you'll learn from it, right? right? You learn from your wins, you learn from your 
learns from your losses, right? Okay, so you've shared a a bit here, and this is wonderful getting to know you. You've published a number of resources, and we'll be happy to link to those in the comments, the description where we post this. Uh, So people can do that. Where else can people go to follow the work you're doing or get in touch with you? Where would be the best place to go? Probably go to my website. My my business website is uh, www.businessontheboardoneword.com. And it has uh, the things that I do, but I have a LinkedIn where they can go in the uh, six skills. It's one of the articles I wrote there. And then uh, I wrote an article that was published in a professional journal called Edge, which is, um, I'm really proud of this one. It's uh, make your business a success by running it like a chess game. And that can be found uh, in my Twitter feed, October 2nd, 2019. I posted the link to get that. And as uh, I mentioned, we'll be happy to post the link so people can get in touch with you that way. Now, as we're getting close to wrapping up here, what's the big accomplishment that you would still like to achieve in life. I know I talked about bucket list before, but now mm-hmm. we talk in chess about thinking ahead and planning. We talk about checkmate being that long-term goal. And then we talk about short-term objectives towards it, right? Part of the planning process. Mm-hmm. Is there something you would like to share about a big accomplishment, big one that is like your 10-year goal or, or something in the next one to three years? Um, I, I would like to convince more business people that chess is is the thing for them. Uh, right now, uh, you know, they they want to. What's the ROI? What's the payback? What's the cost benefit? They want all these financial things. And I was on a conference call in London, on a um, it was a chess thing that happens every day when they have the London Festival. When all and over there, there was a guy. He just talked somebody into into sponsoring a bank sponsoring a chess tournament. And I said, How did you do that? He said, Well, we were hoping to hire a couple of STEM people per year if they know that our company sponsors chess. And I'm like, whoa, you know, and I, I think if we get more people involved and I'm working with some of these uh, corporate chess leagues to, to try to get, you know, right now all they're doing is they're playing chess there. I mean, I think uh, there's one up in Seattle that, you know, uh, Amazon is running and stuff like, but if the HR people or the learning and the talent people said, wow, this is a really great thing for everybody. And not just the guy who played chess when he was in school, but and, and say, here are the benefits of you. Here's the yes. skills you're going to do. And just try to put an ROI on what is what is a productive employee who can do these things you want? How much is that worth? And quantify it. And just talk to people who are in business in terms of they can understand, like ROI. You yeah, can do ROI exactly. and a just sacrifice. You can sacrifice a piece and say, well, you gave that rook up for a bishop. What did you do that for? Well, you know, the king is totally exposed and I, I'm going to pick up that pawn and that, you know, it's like, and it's like an investment. So talk to people in business about ROI. I would, I like to get on more platforms where people, business people are very busy. They don't have a lot of time and, you know, chess can consume a lot of time. We both know that. And uh, we have to whittle it down to like, these are the things that you want to maybe sponsor and they're coming around to it now with Magnus and his group, they're getting a lot of corporate things uh, that are involved, but I'm not sure how they're convincing people that it's, it's the right move because companies can spend their advertising dollars in a whole lot of ways. And why is chess the way they should do it? 
So well, that's that's, that's cool, Jim. And obviously, you're passionate about seeing the impact because of what you've experienced and desiring to see that happen elsewhere. And really mm-hmm. cool to see also. And I I've seen this personally too, where uh, companies and organizations are recognizing more and more the benefits and the parallels between STEM and chess and people who've learned how to think these ways, let alone the other skills like focus and the ability to problem solve and not give up and and the, the kind of skills that are essential in today's world where technology is changing it so rapidly <laughs> that you need the skills to think and navigate, not just knowledge. Right. right? right. So as we wrap up here, and I got just a couple of final Final questions here. Uh, before I, I do, a couple of answers. That's all. The <laughs> before I do, are you up to challenging me to a chess game once we've wrapped up our uh, questions? Okay, if we, as long as we can put the result up ahead of time, sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Jim. Well, we'll we'll take you on just for fun. Win, draw, learn, as as I like to do on our show here. If, if somebody's up for it, and guess mm-hmm. what? I learn from all mm-hmm. these games, and so it's a really cool thing to do a speed chess game and for fun. But before we dive into that. Um, I do want to ask you this, this key question, you know, with all your decades experience in business and corporate and chess and all of this, what advice would you give to your younger self, such as 20 years ago, what kind of advice would you have? I, I would say that chess is a game that goes on forever like you were talking about you can go back one of my favorite games is morphe versus the duke and when i teach that to kids i said this game was played out 150 years ago and they just sit there and their eyes are open when he sacrifices this and he sacrifices that and it's like you i never stop learning when when i play chess like if i go to a local club and my nidorp defense doesn't make it you know so i i run i grab a book or i go and i like what move did i go wrong on and then you can add that in and the next time i play my opponent goes oh you 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 booked me here didn't you you looked up what was the right move and i'm like yeah you're darn right because i don't want to lose the same way uh again uh it's a game of a lifetime and there are very few things that are lifetime. I mean, if there's certain sports and your joints don't cooperate, you know, now, now it's all pickleball. Tennis is like, oh, I don't want to run. I want to play pickleball instead. Great. That's, that's super, you know, hand and eye and all that. So I would say if you're going to be with something, stay with it. Uh, I mean, you know, put the magazine on the shelf, look at it. Whatever. But someday when you have your kids, you're going to want to have them learn how to play chess and you're a great teacher because you've experienced what the game can do for you and you can translate cool. that down. So, that's what's happened. I think we saw in the Fisher era that these kids grew up and all of a sudden, boom, there was a whole baby boomer of chess because Fisher got them all into it. So uh, stay with it is well, what I would Well, that's, that's pretty cool, Jim, that advice to basically be saying, you know, what I, what I take from this is don't give up right? Always improve. Don't think you've arrived. Always get better. Strive. It's that growth mindset of the willingness to try, fail, get better, the resilience that's essential. That's awesome. That's really cool stuff. And by the way, everybody listening here, before we jump into our speed game, remember, like, subscribe, and follow along so you can hear more of these amazing stories of chess transforming lives from around the world as we work together to impact a million youth a week with life skills through the game of chess and invite special guests in who are doing the same in the business world. Yeah, That's awesome. Great job, Jim. I greatly appreciate you joining the Chess for Life Spotlight 
It was a fun conversation learning about your work with chess on the board and corporate training. Thanks again for joining and a reminder to everybody, remember to like, subscribe, comment, ask questions and stay in touch.